our podcast this week we strike up a pretty tune with the director of Once and Sing Street John Carney plus we tackle X-Men Apocalypse and as usual mix of news and nonsense on the movie podcast is thinking of changing its name to Quinn McKenna Hello Pod, I'm Quinn McKenna and welcome to the Empire Podcast. Uh, this week I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. First up's a lady who, if she could change her name to anything by Deadpool, wouldn't stray too far, I don't think. She'd still be Helen O'Hara, but she would actually then be Helen O'Hara Winchester Winchester because she'd be married to both the Winchesters, you see. I wouldn't. No? I only love one of them, you know this. D- Dean, Dean or Sam? Yes, correct. <laughs> That's the one. I should watch that show at some point. You really should, just yeah. so you can get some fresh jokes from it. You know, I want to know. I, I, <laughs> like that train is long sailed. Like God has just turned up, for example. No, yeah, actual God. But isn't he in preacher as well? Is it the same God? It's a better God, I bet, in Supernatural. Is it God as himself? Yes. Did you just declare war on preacher? No. You did. No, I did not declare war on preacher. I would never. Is preacher supernatural uh, influenced? Are there are there elements of preacher in Supernatural? Um, yes, probably. They've certainly stolen a lot from Sandman and American Gods, so okay. maybe. Next up is a man who, if he could change his name by deed poll, uh, he would no longer be Johnny Pyle. He'd be Johnny Declaration of Independence, Ben Gates Rocks. He's our <laughs> very own national treasure, Johnny Pyle. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah. Um, do, do you prefer that? Because when you first started on the podcast, you were, you know, <laughs> I was trying to label you as the street food king who would just grab oh, I remember that. people's plates. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Without uh, asking, but now you're the national treasure. F- uh, f- is that what f- I am? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. I'll take yeah. it. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. Did you have you watched National Treasure this week? Uh, I've watched the sequel twice and the first one just once. <laughs> we all have quarters to hit. Okay, we have a question. Uh, it is a a superhero related question, but I, you know I think this this one's fun. I thought this one was fun, which is why I put it in. It is from at Paolo Celimare. I think I've nailed wow. that. I think I've nailed that That's pronunciation. Amazing. He's probably going. He's probably at home going. It's Paul Smith. What are you doing? It's not Paolo Celimare at all. It's quite close to my Danny Boyle. Um, what superhero costume from a movie would you feel more comfortable wearing? More comfortable than what? No, hang on. Do your we normal, have... Your normal clothes. You know, you're dressed in your Jacobo finest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is... This is... Uh, oh, yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my Ben Sherman. <laughs> We're all good. So if we weren't dressed uh, like this, like normal people with... Actually, I do have a Return of the Jedi t-shirt on, which is... Um, either it's got too small or I've got too big. Well, maybe we're meeting in the middle. I'm not sure. I take. To, I, I'm taking the fifth. Um, do we? And this is really important. Do we have six months with a personal trainer before we don these costumes? No. Or yes, but you have to pay for it yourself. Oh, oh okay. no way. <laughs> so what we're really looking for is something yeah. forgiving. Well, I mean, less forgiving and, and, and just fake because the. The Schumacher era Batman, mm. or in fact the Burton era Batman. Sure. In fact, most Batmans yeah. uh, from 1989 onwards have fairly strong, you know, body armor. Some with nipples, some without. I take the nipples. You would take the nipples. Yeah, I'd take the nipples. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I would too go with the nipples. Yeah, and and pubes. No. 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 No, no pubes. Just nipples. Steel, copper no. wire. No. no. Okay. Really not. All right, because it's. You can't really think of many superhero costumes that have the full pubis going on. It's not. Uh, I wonder. Uh, only no, I two don't spring to why. mind. Yeah. What, really? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you would want something with nipples, but you, so you, would you want specifically a, a Batman costume? Would you want to go around dressed as Batman? I'd want that Batman costume. Which one? 
the, the nipple ones, the nipple Batman one. and Robin. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. That's that's. And then I would, um, I'd get Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro in, and I'd try and get them to milk me. <laughs> <laughs> would you shave? Because at the moment you're you're quite her suit. I mean, so if you people would guess your secret identity from that, it would go, "Who's that Batman? Oh, it's Johnny because he's got the beard." Everyone has a beard now. You have a beard. I don't have a beard. I have a collection of hairs on my. Right. Rather, stations are a protest on my on my chin. It's it's not the same thing. I think in the area of London that we you know most frequent, <laughs> up on our street food markets and our craft beer bars, you know how it is, Chris. God, we sound like the worst people. Yeah, I know exactly it's what it is like. Yeah. I think um, it seems like not having a beard would give away my secret identity okay. more this, readily. This is true. This is true. So you'd patrol the streets of Shoreditch dressed as Batman. Helen, what would you, <laughs> what would you do? I think it's quite difficult um, for a girl because, you know, unless you want a belly top, that like massively reduces your options. And What's a, what's a belly top? Uh, like a belly bearing top. Okay. Like yeah. a crop top. A crop top. They're in, right? I mean, they are, sure. But not really so much for me, particularly. Um, and I mean... There are also fewer, obviously, female superhero costumes, and uh, they are often less exciting. Like Black Widow, she looks great. Mm-hmm. It's just some black suit thing. Like it's nothing very spectacular, mm. you know. Um, I, I, I reckon maybe the Wonder Woman, the new Wonder Woman look. I quite like that. Okay, it's quite stylish. But would you feel also, comfortable a sort of, wearing it? I, d- I don't think anyone feels comfortable wearing it because there's a lot of corsetry involved. Um, but and there would be even more corsetry if I was in it. So uh-huh. you know that you've got to. It's not comfortable, no. But uh, but it would look cool. So okay. why don't you join me in my Schumacher era Batman? <laughs> <laughs> because then I'd have to be dressed as Alicia Silverstone. So I'm not sure that that's a good look, really. Or you could be dressed as Catwoman. Uh, oh, wait, hang on. No, are we talking like Actually, Pfeiffer Catwoman or Barry Catwoman? Are we, uh, are we, are we being really clear on superhero? And am I, is, are we, am I in vigilante territory? Is that what you were saying? No, I think Batman's a superhero. Okay, You're fine. fine. You're fine. Well, if he he's a superhero, then Catwoman's a superhero. She's actually got, you know, some more superpowers than he, he does. Well, because, you know... Nine lives and... Nine lives, cat, yeah. Cat senses and all that, yeah. whatever. Six out litter trays. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Okay. Lands on her feet. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the point is, I'm not. You know, I, I think like quite a lot of extra material might be needed to get into some of it. Like Michelle Pfeiffer had to diet to get into that suit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is not. That's a size minus two. That's not even a size zero, presumably. So mm. that that I'm not a size zero. So it would it would take a bit of work. Okay. So hence uh, the personal trainer for six months. <laughs> I did it for six months. I, uh, I'm not getting in that suit. No one's getting in that suit. No still. one's getting in that suit. No <laughs> Honestly, like, not even six months. No. I really thought six months was a long time to be a personal trainer, and just no, it's it's, it's minimal. It takes forever. <laughs> Don't believe the cover lines you read on certain fitness magazines. Six weeks to a beach body ready. Get get six get six abs. Uh, that's what usually six they, abs they, in they six say. weeks. Yeah. One ab per week. They're very specific about the number of abs. Get three abs in three months. Oh, that sounds great. I actually did go to a personal trainer once. And for about when I was in the build up to um, getting married. Then obviously I just said fuck it and let myself go monumentally. But after that, um, but before that, it was it was hellish. It was absolutely hellish. He would ask me to do things that I just did not want to do. Um, Chris, <laughs> I feel like you need to maybe talk to a professional about this. He said he was a personal trainer. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. wow. No, he had me, he had me lifting things and sweating hard and 
Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. Anyway, but yeah, I didn't enjoy it. But uh, which is why my superhero costume sure. would be the George Reeves Superman or the Adam <laughs> West Batman because that is that is a forgiving costume. That is a costume made for a man with an ample gut. Uh, that is the so, id, the idgaf Superman and Batman. Yeah. So you're uh, back in corsetry as well. Is what you're telling me, basically. Well, yeah, and also, as you know, I'm a big fan of wearing my underpants outside my trousers. So I think that that is fine. The Henry Cavill Superman. I mean, that's just an impossible ideal. Uh, Chris Evans as as Captain America. You know, even though his biceps, I believe, were based on mine uh, in the helicopter sequence yeah, in, uh-huh. in Civil War. Uh, <laughs> Again, that's just an impossible ideal. I mean, you, yeah, he, you just look at him in t-shirts and you just go, "That's that's." I mean, your what's your cup size, mate? This is, this is mental. There was a theory that um, back when Winter Soldier, I think, came out, that somebody was lying to him. Somebody at Shield was lying to him about what sizes t-shirts came in these days. <laughs> Some intern was sent out to buy stuff for him. Was like, "No, I'm sorry, this is the biggest they've got. So sorry, man." <laughs> He does like a tight top, doesn't he, Steve Rogers? He does appear to. He so, does. Yeah. Whereas you look at George Reeves Superman, and that's, <laughs> you know, that's that's you know way back in the day, and that was just a man wearing a blue dress essentially, with with just some underpants over the top. Or you know, if you if you wanted to, uh, I could just I could go full Hulk, post transformation, and just walk around in torn purple trousers, and little else, listeners, uh, if you want to have that mental image. Just seeing you through your weekend, just powering on through. There you go. Yeah, I, I could be painted green in that one. But that, that's what I feel more, most comfortable wearing. I wouldn't want to wear something that had a muscle suit or was constrictive uh, in the crotch area. Okay, shall we move on? Please, let's. <laughs> okay. if, you, if you wish to have your question read out the Empire Podcast, we're on Twitter as at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag uh, Empire Podcast, as Paolo Gelamari did. And... Um, uh, we're also on Facebook, Empire Magazine, and you can email us, podcast at empireonline.com. Uh, and in fact, use that email address to send in your questions and thoughts about X-Men Apocalypse, which we'll be talking about later on in the show. It is out now in the UK. Uh, we, As ever, we will have a spoiler special coming up uh, about that film. It's going to be out, I think, on May the 30th after the US release next Friday on the 27th. We have interviews with Brian Singer and Sam McKinberg uh, for that as well. But I'm sure once you've seen the film, you're going to have lots of things you want to know about um, and want to talk to us about. Uh, Email podcast at empireonline.com and mark the subject heading X-Men. And we will hopefully discuss it when we sit down to record our portion of the podcast uh, next week. Cool. Right. So movie news. What's been happening? There's been lots of things happening. So much, yes. Which one do you want to start with? Should we, uh, let's not start with Marvel. Let's start with this this rumour. This it, It's a rumour going around, but it seems it's it's almost certain now to coalesce into fact uh, that Daniel Craig has turned down a mega money deal. Uh, £68 million, if you believe the Daily Mail. And what? quite frankly, I don't. <laughs> but if you were to believe the Daily Mail, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're not listening to this podcast if you do, Sixty-eight million pounds turned down for, for two more Bond movies. Uh, Good, he said no. Johnny straight in with the incendiary <gasps> opinions because he sees Ben Gates very much. I, I'm guessing as the uh, the, yeah, the James if Nick, Bond. If Nick Cage doesn't do it, then I'm not interested. <laughs> no, uh, it's about time to move on, isn't it? Do you think? Yeah. Um, do you not think that the, uh, the Spectre didn't exactly leave on a high, and maybe one more go? Just I to think they think it did leave it? them on a high, doesn't? Don't they? 
No, I, I, th- I think they know better, don't they? Do they? I think so. Commercially, it didn't do as well as Skyfall. Critically, it didn't do as well as Skyfall. It uh, won an Oscar, but for a diabolical song, so I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't like it. I'm, I'm ready for New Blood. New Blood, which means reboot, I'm, I'm guessing. Oh, do we have to? And or can yeah, we just simply recast? Let's just recast and move on. Um, there, there were, of course, the inevitable rumours that... Uh, I'm up for it. Yeah. That, that Chris is up for it, so yeah. that should put that one to bed. And... Um, uh, Tom Hiddleston apparently was seen in Soho House with Barbara Broccoli. Somebody yeah. said they um, stopped betting, didn't they? They, they did stop, but, but like the, like six months ago, they stopped betting on Tom Hardy, who's the least likely person to play Bond I can think of. So I think that they just stop betting for no reason sometimes okay. um, to get to start betting on other people. And not, in any ah. case, it's it's you know it's you know you're betting. I do. I know my betting. Yeah. I just what would you know who who bets on who the next James Bond is going to be? Uh, people with inside information, Smirsh. Smirsh might, might might do it. Who knows? Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, well. Don't forget, of course, the the Radiohead thing back before Christmas when uh, bookmakers suspended betting on Radiohead doing the next Bond theme because hmm. uh, some guy plonked fifteen grand on it. Yeah, and he must have known. This guy must have had some information that Radiohead had recorded a Bond theme, so. But as, as we know, but it, it didn't turned pan out. out. Yeah, didn't so pan out. and it could be the same here. You know, it could be uh, Barbara Broccoli meeting up with Tom Hiddleston to say, mm. "Hey, mm-hmm. I think you're great, and I love the Night Manager, and we'd like you to do this other completely unrelated to Bond film." For all we know, I mean, they could just yeah. be pals. They could just be they buddies. Just, maybe they're dating. Let's start that rumor. <laughs> Let's not start that rumor. Sorry. No, I, I, I love Tom Hiddleston. And I want better. Are we starting? Are we not starting it? Helen? We're not starting it. We're, We're not, not starting. starting. It. No, no. 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 With this, that the civious gossip is destined for another podcast. Um, yeah, but quite possibly. The yeah, Barbara Broccoli, Tom Hiddleston dating spoiler special. Yes, <laughs> which coming out <laughs> next Wednesday. So if you have any questions for us, do email podcast at empireonline dot com. Uh, use the subject heading Hiddlebrock. <laughs> Brockleston? Brockleston. What would they be called? Brockleston. Brockleston? Brockleston. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Hiddley? Did you hear the um, Chris Evans, Jenny Slate portmanteau? Um, Captain Obvious. What's happening to this podcast? What? Uh, what's, Cap- what? Captain Obvious, Captain America, Obvious Child, Captain Obvious. Captain Obvious. Yeah. Captain Child, right? <laughs> no, there's, there's You don't what, go start and start, but that's not how you do it. Yeah, but it's funnier. There's wow. no rules to these things. You no. go with whatever works best. Humor is only funny with strict rules. I thought it only be it had to be one word, doesn't it? Like Brangelina and uh, Benifer. Oh, hang on, they're they're first names, so it'd be Bartum. <laughs> <laughs> Tombola? No, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Is this um, the news section? This is anyway, the news section. So we don't know who's going to be the next Bond. Who would you like to see play Bond? Uh, we've talked about this loads and loads of times in the podcast. Uh, okay, let's move on. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I'd love to see Fassbender do it, but I suspect he may be uh, too old these days. Mm. Uh, he's he's thirty eight, thirty nine, something like that. Yeah, he's younger, at least younger than. Yeah, but you want someone who's going to be able to give it a proper good ten year, five movie run, and yeah. not get too aged. Edison isn't much younger than that. He's what thirty four, thirty five. Yeah, something like that. Mm. He does look a little bit younger though. Fair enough. You yeah. could argue. All right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what if... Sure. See, this is the thing. If if I were Barbara Broccoli and I knew who was going to be the new James Bond... You'd put the bet on. I'd put the bet on. You could fund the movie that way. Isn't that you inside betting? I don't know. Are you the get rules a pal to do it. <laughs> yeah. 
Get Daniel Craig. Still inside <laughs> bedding, though, isn't it? Even if you get a pal to do it. I mean, how many? I mean, someone's got the information from somewhere. So, I mean, how many lines away? How many degrees of separation is it before it stops becoming inside a betting mm. trading? Not a lot, I think. I don't know, mm. but it, I guess we're getting more Bond films, so you know. I've, I've already lost. So. Oh God! Oh, never yeah, saw that coming. They were going to stop after Spectre. <laughs> maybe, maybe someday someone will make a Bond movie you like, Helen. It's happened occasionally. Okay. Mm. You like of- Casino Royale? Yeah. See, fine. You like Casino Royale? Yeah, it's all right. Didn't love it. It's all right. You love Casino Royale? I didn't. My God, revelations in the Empire podcast. I did not know it was your favourite film. That's amazing. Uh, let's talk about something else. Sure. Uh, let's talk about Cold Hard Fact, because the, the Bond stuff is speculation. So Cold Hard Fact is that Transformers 5 is on its way. Uh, it starts filming in June. <laughs> that is such a cold fact. It's a cold it? hard fact. It's an unavoidable fact. Uh, death, taxes and more Transformers movies. That's, that's all we face. Uh, so Transformers 5 is now going to be called Transformers... The Last Night. Night with a K. Night with a K. Yeah, not like what happened last night or something. No, okay. I thought that would be amazing, a sort of rom-com, a yeah. raunchy rom-com with Optimus Prime and Megatron. Desperately trying to put together the pieces of last... They wake up in the same bed. No. No, okay. <laughs> so The Last Night. Transformers 5, yeah, The Last Night. Transformers 5, it's, it's happening. Yeah. I, um... I don't know. I don't know what to say. But I guess yeah, I'm going to blow you away with some information. Please do. So obviously, you know, Mark Wahlberg is back as um, his character. From Cade the- Yeager, wasn't it? Was it? <laughs> I think it was Cade Yeager. Cade Yeager. That's amazing. Yeager, presumably named for Chuck Yeager, who first broke the sign barrier. Yes. But uh, the Cade, I don't know what that is. Okay. Barry Cade. <laughs> I guess his full probably name. His full name is Barry Cade. <laughs> Cade Yeager, how did you know that? Because it's a ridiculous name and it's stuck in my head. That's amazing. So, um, yes, he's back. And this week it was confirmed that Josh Jumel, who set the last one out, will be returning as Lieutenant Colonel Lennox. Yes. Finally, we're five movies in and we finally learned this guy's name. That's that's pretty astonishing, don't you think? <laughs> um, but I thought the fourth movie really could have done with some of Lieutenant Colonel Lennox. I thought, you know, it, it, it needed an injection of whatever it is he brings to that franchise. Handsome soldieriness? I'm not sure. Yes, indeed. It's all Will seven. Will anyone else be back? Like, will... Was it Tyrese be back to bring the rain? There is no word yet of uh, Tyrese coming back as Kevin Soldier. Um... Uh, or whatever his character's called in that in that in that series, uh, I don't know. Jack Renner doesn't seem to be back as Shane Dyson from the last movie, <laughs> and of course we're all in tenterhooks to so we'll see whether Nicola Peltz will return as Tessie Yeager, um, which is is that know, a wife daughter. or a daughter? Daughter. daughter. I missed daughter. the fourth one. Yeah. Oh, there, there was yeah, a there was a yes, I missed it. There was a horrendous subplot where all the way through the movie, uh, Mark Wahlberg's desperately trying to stop Jack Renner and his daughter from being together, and then at one point because she's underage, technically. Isn't this right? And then Jack Rayner's character pulls out a... Laminated, laminated copy. copy of a statute. The Romeo and Juliet statute. The Romeo and Juliet statute. Which means that they can... You're, you're, you know your law stuff. It means that they can um, get it on, mm. as I believe the kids say, uh, even though she is underage, because he was once underage too, essentially, when they started dating. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... It's an exception. So he had a birthday and she hadn't had a birthday yet. Exactly, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. This is a subplot of this movie. It's it's a really genuine subplot of this movie. It's quite creepy. Maybe a I mean, I actually genuinely thought that he was going to be ten years older and it was going to be horribly creepy. But no, he's it. like he's like two or three years older. It's not mm. quite that much. How long have they been dating? 
I don't, I, so, honestly. So he, she, he was what, 15 and she was 11? Oh, no, oh, I hope not. Oh, no. That's what you said, two or three years? Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly details. I need to know these details. <laughs> Maybe he was 16 and she was 13. Ew. That's still 14. too much. But no, no, when they started dating. But, but oh. 16's okay, he's meant right? To have, he's meant to have graduated. I think she's meant to be like 17, he's meant to be just 19 or something. Okay, I don't well, know. I also, I'm, I don't know the law, the age laws exactly. in America. They might be different They vary from state to state also. Right. This is all getting gross. We've Let's gone down on. a dark cul-de-sac here, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to. I'm going so to back who else out. Is, who else is back, Chris? I don't know, Helen. Right. I don't know. All I know is that Josh Jamel's in it, and that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. Uh, I would be lining up. And, and Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime's back, of course. Optimus Prime's back. Great. The Dinobots back. Riding a dinosaur. Uh, well, what he does in his private <laughs> life is none of my concern. Okay. Uh, so fingers crossed that Optimus Prime is back because we all love Optimus Prime. So this we kind of we this, about this. Yeah, this this franchise could be great. It just isn't. It but like the, it has has the potential and all. You know everything mm. that's going on in the comic books. There is some really good stuff here that they just don't tap into at all. And there have been some beautiful effects work and. Uh, chase scenes and action beats in this franchise I, the, I, I stand by that that freeway scene in the first one was absolutely terrific I think some of the work that ILM did in the second one even in the in the fight in the forest was yeah, amazing the forest is great um, there's actually there's a supercut on, online which is just like I, th- I don't know if it's Optimus transforming or, or general Transformers transforming and it's gorgeous the one where he, he drives out the back of the cargo plane transforms into Optimus midair transforms back into the truck as he lands and then drives off. It's just cool, mm. you know? But Yeah, I like the first one. I do like the first one. I like the first one a lot. But the, 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 problem with the, the problem with the franchise is, the first one's fine, and then there are three terrible movies that follow, and then, then they diminish any uh, excitement for the, for the fifth one. But, you know... But we, now that Lennox is back... Now that Lieutenant... And, and presumably he's got promotion. Lieutenant Colonel. He's pretty senior now, yeah. Unless Oof. that's, like a gun style, his actual name. <laughs> Like I'm major, 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 major. I'm excited either way. And speaking of uh, speaking of, of badass names, so uh, last night we had a Q and A uh, with Shane Black and Joel Silver uh, for the Nice Guys, which will become a podcast special. If so, if you if you couldn't make it, don't worry about it. We will turn it into a podcast special, which will be out the week of release, June third, there there thereabouts. And Shane Black revealed exclusively to to me and 180 people that. Um, and the thousands of people listen to the podcast subsequently, mm-hmm. that the hero of his uh, next movie, which is The Predator, yeah, which is a sort of sequel to the, the Predator movies, not a reboot, I think it's a sequel, is going to be called Quinn McKenna, which explains my nonsense at the beginning of the podcast. Quinn McKenna. That's a That's, solid name. That is a name dripping in testosterone. <laughs> Unlike most Shane Black characters, who are, of course, <laughs> shy and retiring men, barely yeah. barely tinged with testosterone. Well, yeah, but yeah, not Ryan Gosling and the Nice Guys, for example, is not dripping in testosterone. I would say no, but maybe um, oozing, but not dripping. But there, there is oozing. There is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's that's a cool name. That's a cool name. So I'm, I'm excited about that. So Me too. Just want to talk about that. Uh, a couple of things that, were, that, that broke last week in time honored tradition. A minute that we put the podcast up, Hollywood goes right. Announced big movie news. So, Train Spotting Two started filming this week. Um, very excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's going to come out next January, so they're going to really get a move on with that one. How will they get the around. effects work done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Dan, Dan, Danny Boyle was was worried for a few years. He, the reason he kept giving for not having 
made a sequel already was that they refused the cast refused to age like they were just they still looked awfully awfully good given that the, the characters lives um yeah in, in in the story, although Renton so, surely would have, you know, we, we see Renton turning his back in the he whole chooses thing. life exactly. Yeah. So he he so, he has an excuse for baby soft skin, but the rest of them, yeah. no excuse. So uh, I think he was, um, you know, there, there may be some effects work to just make them look like forty somethings. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we shall see. Uh, but what's interesting about this is that it, um, a most original cast are back, and there was a kind of pre-shooting trailer thing that was that was released this week and it said the original cast returns uh, obviously Kevin McKidd doesn't because Tommy his character no, you know, not to give away too much but he dies um, but interestingly Kelly McDonald's Diane does not seem to be back and for me that was a huge part I mean not you know mm. I think there's the, the, the core four is still you know Sick Boy Spud Begbie and, 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 and Renton but she was a big part of the original movie and to not have her back feels a bit strange to me but I'm Maybe sure I think it's sad because I mean story wise you can't really see why she would be there yeah, because she yeah. was there that's very the much problem, isn't it? but she has the world's most beautiful voice it's just so <laughs> lovely to, I could listen to that voice when, when her, she's got an advert for I'm going to say as some sort of bank I love those adverts just because she's talking over them is it the one we go yeah those those Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't does she have a lovely voice? I don't voice? know the name of the bank, but yeah, she does have a lovely voice. Uh, she's got a <laughs> she's got a lovely voice. Um, and David Morris, he's got a good voice. He does uh, Santander. Okay. Should we talk about transporting two again? <laughs> I don't know what am I doing today? I'm excited. Um, it, it will give you know the young people of nowadays something to put up on their walls of their student accommodation, which is terrific. Did did we all did we all have a train spotting poster or was it just me? Uh, I mean, I was. Of course, we did. I was at school. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I had. I had. Rebel. uh, Yeah, yeah. I had one given away with the magazine. Yeah, certainly folded out. So maybe it was this very magazine. Could have been. Could have been. Could have been something grottier. No, I I walked. I I was. uh, You know, I was unique in my tastes. I had a poster of Kurt Cobain on my wall nobody had that at university let <laughs> no. me tell you this I had a poster of Mulder and Scully on my wall at university nobody had that let me tell you that and I uh, had uh, many posters of um, San- had, Sandra Bullock I had Mars Attacks I don't know why I liked it it was a cool poster anyway mm. we should probably move on we should before move we embarrass on. ourselves and age ourselves any further but it's interesting I don't think this movie it will be um, aimed at teens anymore will it? You no know, I'm not saying it is but it, okay. it, I'm not necessarily Okay. Was to begin with. Um, and they're calling it T2. They are calling it T2. Which is uh, a thing that that is... Um, they're not, not going to do that, are they? They're not, I mean, they're saying that now. They're not actually going to do that. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. All right, let's move on. Well, that's what it seems to be called at the moment. And officially, Terminator 2 is called Terminator 2, Judgment Day. It's not called T2. So... You could, in theory, get away with it. Yeah, but um, for 25 years, we've, been, we've all been calling it T2. So... Yeah. You know. I don't know. Who knows? We shall see. Uh, but best of luck to them on that one. Definitely. Very excited about that. Uh, and in other news that broke last week, yes, it's more Marvel news. Uh, sorry for people who don't like Marvel news. Uh, but Black Panther is shaping up to be an incredibly exciting movie over at Marvel. Uh, launches in February 2018. Obviously, Chadwick Boseman was introduced in Civil War. We all liked him. Um, and now the cast is coming together. As Kevin Feige said on the Empire podcast uh, himself, he said that the cast will be 90% African and African-American. Um, and so far, yeah, true to their word, because last week it was announced that the Peter Nyong'o is in talks to, to join the cast. And then... Ryan Coogler is the writer and director. We all hoped at some point that Michael B. Jordan would pop up, and it looks as if he will be. 
Yeah. So, and then yeah. the latest thing was rumours yesterday that John Boyega could also be joining the family. Um, mm. This is still at the rumour stage at the moment, but my God, so much charisma on one single movie set. That's <laughs> insane. Um, so fingers crossed that that happens as well, because that would be amazing. No real word in Hooter playing yet, but... Um, no. uh, and it, it feels wrong to simply say that Peter Nyong'o would be a love interest, but that's what has been rumoured, that really? she would certainly be someone at Black Panther that uh, T'Challa is involved with, or may be involved with, and Michael B. Jordan may be the bad guy. That's what that's what we're, we're hearing at the mm. moment. So, Or one of the bad guys, because the 10% of the cast is not African or African-American, I would imagine will contain Andy Serkis, yeah. whose character Ulysses Claw uh, is very much a Black Panther villain set up obviously in uh, Age of Ultron Martin Freeman as Everett K. Ross yep although he's not in any way affiliated with Black Panther in Civil War but he is in no, the no they books. share one scene yep so. and I don't even think they exchange dialogue do they at yeah, any point they don't um, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if Sebastian Stan turns up so that's, th- that's three there so that three. means the cast is 30 people big <laughs> so he needs yeah. to find <laughs> there may be more there may be more and hopefully knows. the likes of like Florence Kasimba will Yes. Come back because she had one line in Civil War and threatened to steal the movie. So, you know, she did, we want yes. some more of her, please. Florence Kasumba as one of <clears throat> Black Panther's bodyguards. So very, very excited about that. Ryan Coogler, I, I think that man's awesome. So fingers crossed. Uh, and I've written down here, uh, Gareth Edwards has left Godzilla 2. Huh. To do something yeah. else, I, I presume. So. Well, as long as, he's, as long as he's kept busy, I think that's the important thing. We want him making movies. And I'm okay if he doesn't make Godzilla 2. I'm more than happy for him not to make Godzilla 2. I'm more than happy for him not to go down that, that route of just being the big blockbuster guy. He's got he's got more on his mind, I think, than, 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 than that. But yeah, Godzilla 2 is obviously coming in 2019. And then they've uh, rather optimistically announced Godzilla vs. Kong for 2020. Uh, obviously Kong will, will reappear in Kong Skull Island before being used as a, either a toothpick or a Q-tip or <laughs> some sort of suppository by Godzilla in Godzilla vs. King Kong. They're going to have to rectify the, the differential there. They're, yeah, they're, the size yeah. discrepancy is enormous yeah. right now. It's it's huge. Or it isn't. Huh. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> yeah. But anyway... Uh, so this week the Ghostbusters uh, had a second trailer which seemed to go down a little bit better with the internet apart from of course a certain uh, subsection of the internet Helen mostly <laughs> <laughs> hey I like it Helen hates this film yeah, yeah. I, I hate those female yeah. leads you've girl. long been campaigning against uh, women in Hollywood absolutely I just I just like to sit at home and wear my fedora and slag off women I just like to sit at home in my torn purple pants <laughs> and I like to watch <laughs> Uh, so, what, did we like the trailer? Did we think this one yeah, was better? Yeah, I thought this one was fun. I, I didn't. I didn't hate the first one, but it, no. I, it didn't. It didn't set my world alight either. But I thought this one looked a little bit more fun and had a little bit more life to it. And then the thing is, I think it's not always the case, but there is often an inverse correlation between the funniness of a comedy movie and the funniness of its trailer. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm not ever that worried when a comedy has just okay trailers if anything I take some comfort from it it's like okay well I'm not hopefully not seeing all the best jokes in this one trailer and I feel like that's probably what's happening here I think a lot of the humour of the film hopefully will come from the characters the interplay between them and will sort of build over the course of the film which doesn't which makes a trailer very hard to cut but leads to a better movie Mm. so that's kind of how I'm feeling about that at the moment what I liked about the trailer was it, it gave Kristen Wiig something funny to do. There was a moment mm. where she has a bit of a meltdown. I thought it was that was good because how do you have someone that funny? And in the first trailer, they were hiding her comedy light under a bushel. So um, uh, fingers crossed for this one. I also agree that it's fingers crossed for this one. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Thanks Terry for White, in, uh, our editor, <laughs> yes. she uh, she 
uh, point out something very interesting to me, which was she showed me the original 1984 Ghostbusters trailer, mm. mm-hmm. where also a lot of the very funny lines don't really land. Yeah. Uh, and that is again because of the characters. Exactly. You know, it comes from you know loving those characters and getting to know them, and and that's why it's it, the film is so good and has mm-hmm. uh, endured. And hopefully this one will be the same. I'm terrifically excited to see it. And in fact, that's not we've seen two trailers, but we've also seen that um, focus on the on the receptionist mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes, but with clips as well. And that that looks very funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. it did actually. It really does. I think that the the problem. The problem I have with this film is nothing to do with this film. The, the, the problem I have is that certain seg- segments of the population and also of Hollywood are going to, unless this film makes over a billion dollars and gets about 96% positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, there is a segment of the world that is going to say, this proves that you shouldn't ever try and gender swap anything. And and so I feel like it's it's been landed with these very unfair expectations and these unfair demands on it. And what we actually all we actually need it to be is a good comedy and and that should be all we're trying to hope mm. for from it. Mm. Um but yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's landed in the unfortunate position of being a bit of a trailblazer and I don't think it necessarily benefits from that as a film. Anyway. Absolutely. Um Okay, so that's, that's, there's a couple of other things very, very quickly to just go through. One is that uh, Warner Brothers has restructured its uh, DC Films subdivision. So everyone's been saying for a long time, actually, not just before, not just since Batman Superman, uh, but that they need a focal point. They need a, a figurehead. They need a, a Feige, quite yeah. frankly, a Kevin Feige. Uh, so Warner Brothers have responded to that. And so last night they announced that John Berg and Jeff Johns uh, who's been involved with the TV stuff over at DC and obviously is uh, is a comic book writer as well, uh, a big shot over at DC. Uh, in fact, he's the CCO of DC. Uh, they'll be actually co-running the DC Films banner. Uh, and the two heads are better than one kind of situation. Hopefully it's not a Sherrod Julia Roy Evans type situation, uh, but actually something that's productive and will lead to good films for the DC uh, the DC slate. Yeah, fingers crossed. And there, there was a s- news of a, a potential spin-off already from Suicide Squad with uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn leading a kind of uh, female-focused DC characters kind of story. She's mm-hmm. apparently... She fell so much in love with the character that she's apparently been working with and so far unnamed comic book writer, but I have, I have suspicions about who that might be, on putting together a story which would be feature the likes of basically the Birds of Prey, of Batgirl, of... Poison Ivy of you name it, good guys, bad guys, I'm not quite sure. But it sounds kind of intriguing because Harley Quinn is the one thing everybody agrees. Um, the, all the advance word on Suicide Squad has been that she is great as that character. So uh, fingers crossed that she will make enough of an impact when that hits screens that this becomes a an, an obvious idea to do. Yarp. And um, obviously that's a shared universe. Everything's a shared universe these days. And the very last thing is that today brought word that Universal Pictures are teaming up with Dwayne Johnson and James Vanderbilt, who wrote The Amazing Spider-Man and, and uh, Zodiac, to launch the Robert Ludlum movie universe. I mean... And not before time. Yeah, I, I've been crying out for this for a long, long time, as you guys know. Um, so they'll start off with a movie called The Janssen Directive, uh, which Johnson's been attached to for years, apparently, as it turns out. Um, and they may even look at the idea of incorporating the Bourne films into this as well. Um, so... You know, not everything needs to be a shared universe. Let's just have standalone movies now and again, once once in a while. It's fine. I think it's fine. 
but it is The Rock's attempt to, to be in everything and he really is I think because weirdly enough he doesn't even though he was called Franchise Viagra by us a few years ago how many franchises does he actually have that are his that he doesn't just go into and, and, and join something well I guess he's hoping to start one with Baywatch perhaps starting with Baywatch There's maybe Central Intelligence Doc Savage maybe as well yeah uh, but so loads yeah it's got, and obviously he's attached to the DC Universe but yeah uh, you know it's all all very much at the perspective stage at the moment so fingers crossed but Robert Littlem shared universe mm, I wonder if that's a step too far anyway that's it for the, the news uh, time now for a guest uh, this week's guest is a former musician he was with the Irish band The Frames back in the early 90s then he became a director uh, the likes of Once you'll know that film Begin Again which was of course the much more interestingly titled kind of song Save Your Life and then they changed it what's, what's going on with that this week he delivers yet another cracking musical with Sing Street uh, he is of course John Carney and we sent Phil to send it along this week to speak to him enjoy we are thrilled and delighted to be joined by John Carney on the Empire Podcast today. Um, nice to be here. Thank you so much for coming in. Now, we like to be a bit objective about, because we review films on the podcast, but mm-hmm. we like to be a bit objective when it comes to the interviews because we are pretending to be professional journalists. But there is so much love for this movie that you've mm-hmm. made, um, Sing Street, and it must be, it must give you the warm glowings, surely, when you, when, or does it get a bit like, <sighs> Um, yeah, like, like, enough, enough say hyperbole negative. already. <laughs> enough loving. No, maybe that's what we do as filmmakers, in a sense, without getting too pretentious, you know, is, is look for, is look for love and look for, you know, uh-huh. there, there have been moments where I've, <laughs> where you look through to try and find the negative review when you get a synopsis of reviews, because this has been favorably reviewed. Once was obviously very favorably reviewed. And I find myself now scanning my phone for the negative really? review. Yeah, so in one sense, you know, that's kind of an interesting idea. Of, like, let's find the person who doesn't love me here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sort of a Woody Allen construct, I think, somewhere we'll yeah. play there. I mean, what's the meanest thing anyone said about this film? I, it's it's hard to find a negative tweet about it if that's tweet tweeting is the is the apparently a big thing at the moment. Um, so I've been I got a Twitter account and set it up and I've been looking at them. It's it's like one in five hundred or six hundred somebody says something. Not even nasty, but just this wasn't for me is the most wow. offensive. It's an amazing film. I think it's because it's about kids coming up in the world and trying to make their way in a grey, depressing 80s setting and they're young, beautiful-looking children and you'd kind of be a bit of a pervert to kick it. It'd be like kicking the puppy that's just lapping at everybody, yes. you know, and I'll, I'll give it a kick. So yes. everybody is being very, very nice to this film. It has to be Stay fair. on Twitter a bit longer, John, and you will discover... The puppy Some, kicking is is something puppy of a kicking. puppy well, kicking is a thing. That's probably true, actually. Unless somebody's censoring the, my Twitter feed into just all the positive ones, can they do that? Can do you, you, just you do have, have a, a team of people with you now. <laughs> no, this is not true. John's on his own, um, but you know, yeah, censoring, just telling, just telling you what you want to hear. Um, we should put the film into some context, having praised it in in sort of slightly bleak yeah, way. Nobody knows what we're talking about. No, I know it's just terrible interviewing, yeah. isn't it? Really bad. Sing Street is is the name of the school that yeah. you went to, um, and yes. there's a lot of auto biographical detail in, in, the, yeah. in the story of Connor who, who wants to woo a girl and he has to become a he has to join a band he has to put a band, back, band together yeah. Blues Brothers style true but let's put it in more context though let's say that what I found was I'd be walking around London or New York or Dublin and I'd be looking at people and I'd go god there's a lot of people my age like there's a lot of people vaguely thinning <laughs> of hair and protruding of belly and you know that era that I recognise okay I'm there now I'm at that and nobody, 
there's nothing for them. There's there's nothing like the internet's there. This open world zone of you can have anything you want. You can download whatever. You can listen to anything. Mm. Really, what we need at my age is we need a curator. We need people. We grew up with the BBC telling us tonight on BBC Ingmar Bergman series continues with. Bo-. We were told what to watch, and we and the BBC showed us great stuff, and we were curated. And likewise in Ireland, we come from a generation where we like that, and newspapers that we read were edited, and and we we're lost now. Because the internet's come along and we don't know where, I find personally, I just don't know where. Yes, you can download every 80s track on YouTube and you can have an 80s night every night of your life, but there's nobody to tell you to do it. So it felt to me like this movie, Sing Street, is a movie set in the 80s. It's about kids forming a school band and it's full of 80s tunes and some new tunes that have been written for the film. And it's been, what what really amazes me, me is the amount of 40-something-year-olds that I've, I've met that have like, oh, thanks for this movie, this is a blast. This told me where to look for an hour and a half. <laughs> yes. and, and I think that that's what people are responding to in the film is like, is, 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 a, is a nostalgic thing and a sense of like, oh, I, that, that decade is far enough now in the rearview mirror for it not to be a horror film of my own upbringing. <laughs> it, it's, it's now nostalgia, you know, mm. now it's far enough away for us to have a laugh about it. Uh, and had I made this film in the 90s, I'd be like, no, no, it's too close. I remember that girl spurning me. I remember that school bully yes. hitting me. It's too fresh. It's too, the wound is still open. But now the wound is closed and we can actually look back and go, God, it was kind of a, it was kind of a brilliant decade in a sense. It was. You're going to get asked a lot about how much of this is your life, you know, how much of Connor is, is John Carney and how much isn't. There's lovely details. There's one particular pair of brown shoes um, that you are wearing brown shoes. Amazing. That's so that I've always wore brand, worn really? brown shoes. Yeah. Okay. So to put that into context, um, uh, Connor is 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 made to walk barefoot because he's supposed to wear black shoes to school, but mm-hmm. he can't afford them. He doesn't have any. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that that that, 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 that episode? There's episodes in this movie that happened yeah. to me, and then those episodes led to further um, revelations about what the film wanted to be itself. Like the film is. The film does want to be its own thing, so yes. there are there are episodes that I definitely took from my own life that I dramat- re-dramatized and put me as the hero of. Did you create any uh, music videos on that? Yeah, we of- shot a lot of music videos. We stole the, the school camcorder. Did you? And there's a scene that I did. I actually have them stealing the video camera in the film, and we edited it out in the end. I'm not sure why we edited it out, but we probably shouldn't have. But it justifies the source of the video camera. Yes. You know, which is not a th- an easy thing to get back then. No. In the 80s, having kids who had a video camera were weird. They were rich kids. Or, you know, they were like, how does he have a video camera? It's something as an audience member now you just sort of take for granted, though. You yeah, really so it to... seemed like I didn't. And I yeah. had this very elaborate scene. It was quite funny where they bunk into the school and they get this set of keys and they go and it's a big, like, sort of, you know... Um, big sort of break-in sequence and then I think we had we had that we had a piece of music from like Beverly Hills Cop play it out as the camera craned up and they ran off with their booty right you know and it was a real like punch the air moment of, but it just didn't seem to need it in the film uh, as it turns but out but you've got some deleted scenes that are basically action packed yeah action packed to look forward to scenes. on the DVD yeah. release um, Bono uh, specifically, but you two were involved yeah. in this from the get-go. Yeah. It was it's Cannes this week, and it was Cannes two years ago that that your film got picked up by the Weinstein Company, yeah. wasn't it? And at that point, Bono, the U two involvement was more then than it sort of turned out to be. Was that just a timing thing, or, or did that they... was just yeah? They were they were um, they were really helpful. Bono and Edge particularly were very helpful at the beginning of the film in terms of just 
it's hard to describe what they did for it. They sort of kind of like rubber stamped it. It was like, if you're going to make a film about a band mm. in school in Ireland, you kind of have to ask those guys, yeah. is, are we off the track? And I think they sort of authenticated the movie for me. That was the big, big brother sort of thing of like, yeah, this is funny. And this is okay. You know, you're not off your head thinking that this will work. Yes. And it seemed like it would be crazy to completely avoid just ringing those guys up and saying, look, you know, you formed a band in the eight or well, late 70s in Dublin. Is this kind of what it was like? And I remember telling Bono and Edge the story of, you know, uh, you know, him lying about the school band, which is how my movie opens with this big bluff about forming this, about being in this yes. band. And they both pissed themselves laughing at that scene so I was like okay that's why all people form bands that everybody <laughs> forms a band to get a partner um, yeah, they've actually said Bono's actually said that you two weren't as good as these kids well that was an amazing quote wasn't I mean, it? wow that's yeah. pretty cool that was great and, and actually he's being very generous I think what he's really saying is that you you sped up the timeline in order to make it fun and actually the important thing about this film is that it's it's not about a bad band, it's about a good band. Yes. And that's what people miss. When, whenever anybody says to me, oh, they're too good too quick, I'm yeah. like, well, they're supposed to be a good band. They are really good. So do you want to watch a film for an hour and a half of bad music? Yes. Because I don't, because there's enough bad music on YouTube of young bands, yes. kind of, and you're like, you're never going to do it, or this is not good to listen to. So and they, for and me not, to add to that. They're not a covers band either, as people that they're are not. trying to parallel your film with The Commitments. Oh, please. <laughs> I know, um, it's such lazy journalism. It's like, oh, it must be like The Commitments. It's like The Commitments in as much as The Big Sleep is like The Big Lebowski. I mean, they're both detective movies set in Hollywood. With the word big in the title. With the word big in the title. And they're both joking, they're both from the same source material, i.e. Muse, in my case. Muse, mm. But that, they're, 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 they're like, there's no comparison between The Commitments yeah. and... and uh, and Sing Street, other than it's a musical and it's set in Ireland. Yes. You know, I mean, that's a, the, exactly, you're right. The, the the band and the commitments. And I love the commitments. Commitments, great script. Incredibly funny. And really, I love the casting in it and all that. I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't see them as being, you liked the commitments, therefore you like Sing Street. I think that that's phony. There's no reason to think that people who like the commitments will like. Like, commitments is a bawdy, outrageous, rude, dirty-mouthed Irish comedy. Yeah. And it's hilarious. The, the Sing Street is much more John Hughesy, and there's not a bad word in it. I think there's one curse word in the entire film, which is already shows you just how much of a fantasy film this is. Because Dublin people, Dublin kids, do not say flip and feck and bigara. They say <laughs> cunt, fuck, shit, wank, gee. Yeah, just to yeah, uh, trying to get as many in there as I can. <laughs> no, no, they don't fuck around with their language, and in my film, nobody curses. Yeah. Because we wanted film, we wanted the film to yeah. pass the ratings. We wanted to get on and you know do some business and all that. So in a sense, you know, th even there, the, the the distinctions between it and the commitments just are you know just announce themselves. Yeah. Not a single bagara the entire Not movie. Or yeah. your money back. Yeah. And we, you've come to a temple of lazy journalism, as as chance would have it. Um, really, have well, I? you're pretty no, much. Well, I'm <laughs> enjoying this. We uh, we tend to uh, we've done some. Unusual things down the years on the Empire podcast, including trying to film a Terence Malick homage at Comic Con. Um, if we were to ever record a song about what we do, which is basically sit around and talk nonsense about movies every Friday, yeah. um, how would we go? None of us really have any musical ability. Yeah. Where would we start that process? I'm not asking you to write us a song. I'm just mm -hmm. give, looking for some tips. I'm trying to think of bad bands in the 80s that got through. Uh, in a sense, I have to say, like, Duran Duran were a funny band in that they weren't great. Mm but they somehow managed to pull it off through just sheer perseverance and fun and good looks and life. 
Let's say we don't have those things. Yeah. <laughs> we have to have something. <laughs> we've got, we've got, we complain a lot about uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. That's one right. of the things we do. You um, We also review films and we give films three stars. We have to point out that three stars is a recommendation. So okay. that's another thing that we tend to sort of comes up quite a lot. Oh, you don't do five stars? We do get, no, we give films five stars, but I think that's... I'd love to know what Sing Street gets now. Sing Street's got, do you want to know what Sing Street's yeah, got? Yeah, go on. Um, all of your films have got four stars. Yes. So that's obviously a recommendation. That's we wouldn't a, have to say that. But sometimes people think if it's three stars, what does that yeah. mean? Is that good or should yeah. we go no, see three it? Three stars would be good for me. I'd be happy with three stars. Yeah. So would we be looking for a word that rhymes with, say, recommendation to get into the song? To, so you can yeah, sort of... you, you could try that. I'm not going to try it because I'm the worst <laughs> lyricist in the world. But you could get Gary Clark to try and write a lyric for you. Gary Clark, who wrote "Drive It Like You Like You Stole uh, It," like you which stole is it. on my iPhone on the way into work most mornings. Um, it's a, mo- yeah, it's a blow of. It's a great track. It's. Can you imagine being the director of a film who's made like falling, falling slowly has been in my film. Last Stars yes. has been nominated for an Oscar. Making a third film, you're like, oh god, I, I have to get a hit song. Yeah. Who do I know? Who will I ring? Okay. Well, I love Gary Clark. Can you imagine being that director and and giving that brief? Oh, by the way, can you also write an Oscar-worthy song? Because I've had two of them. Just no, no big deal. But you know, and if you could have that by Tuesday, and yeah. if it could sound a little bit like Maneater, Hall and Oates, it has to have some really good lyrics. Could you have that by two o'clock? And you get yes. "Drive It Like You Stole It." Yes, that's that's like asking for the one thing that you wanted at Christmas as a kid and getting it, and yes. it, you know, it being as good as you thought or better than you thought it would be. Phenomenal song, and I remember getting the demo of it. Like, and Gary is a very humble man from Dundee, he's like, I think I have some, I'll go, fuck you, send it through, let me know what you think. And I'll be like, oh, that doesn't sound, he doesn't sound that enthusiastic. Listen to the song, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. And I remember playing it to my niece, Clea, at the time and saying, I, so I've listened to this song and you need to tell me whether I'm crazy or not or you think it's a hit record or not. And I played it to her and she's like eight bars into it. Yeah. She'd be like, why do you need me to listen to this? Yeah. This is... Do you need me to tell you anything more than you already know about this song? Yeah, it's such it gets a better tune. too. It's got the clap, the clap bit too. Which yeah. I love. Um, it's a great song. I, I've got to wrap up very shortly. I've just got a couple of quick fire questions for you. I yeah. wondered if um, Once has been uh, homaged, I don't know if what the right word is for The Simpsons, on The Simpsons. Yeah. Is that a prouder moment for you than the Oscar nominations? Or that was that probably the proudest moment that I've had in my career. Really? Yeah. Are you, you, you absolutely that was yeah. like Christopher Guest from Spinal Tap or something saying I like your movie and I want to put it in Spinal Tap and re-edit Spinal Tap to put a scene about once in it. Yes. The Simpsons yes. parodying. No. I get once. that. That makes sense. Insane. Um, true or false, Bono told you not to invest your money in the Once musical. He told Glenn that and he told it more as a sort of an uh, uh, you know this is the wise man's sort of advice which is very true. You don't pay for your own stuff mm. to be made yes, you get yeah. somebody else to pay for it and part of that process is 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 quality control you, you know, because if we paid for if Steven Spielberg paid for all his own movies they wouldn't be Jaws and they wouldn't be because he's got to raise that money so yeah. he's got to go through these quality control he's got to convince yes. 10 other guys who don't want to part with their money to give him money that makes that can make films very very good you know that's the hope if Sing Street does become a successful movie and yeah. go on to, the, to become a successful would, I mean, would you look at investing in that case Yes, I have already. <laughs> yeah, would I ignore Bono? Yes, that's my advice? question. No, well, I mean, I think it's important to to uh, 
to distinguish between the, I mean look if anybody wants to come and give me loads of money to make this into a musical I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Have, has anyone come up to you at this point there's been that? a few offers right yeah okay yeah. that would be amazing um, and very lastly you've been linked with a film that's very different from and to remind listeners you've been making films since before once obviously yes. um, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls um, which yeah. is a Roger Ebert's Russ Meyer yeah. story is that something that you're going to be doing or? Yeah, hopefully if it can all if we can work it all out I would love to do that film that's a hilarious script by Chris Clues, who actually wrote for Chris Clues, who wrote for uh, The Simpsons. Yes, very very funny script about this harebrain and yet weirdly successful collaboration between Roger Ebert and Russ Meyer in 1969 in America. It's a story of outsiders in Hollywood, of which, which is a story I know a lot. Yes. About. Looking forward. I hope that happens. That would be awesome. Yeah, it'd be great. Very different as well, which yeah. would be nice to see. Um, John, thank you so much for joining us. The You're Apple welcome. Podcast. Thank you. Real pleasure. Cheers, John Carney there, and. Uh, you know what? Usually we start the review section with the big film of the week, as in the big blockbuster. Should we start with Sing Street? Yay! Let's start with Sing Street. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that concludes okay. our review. <laughs> um, that's pretty much, I think you can, yeah, that's no, all you need to know. This this actually has been out, uh, it, was, it came out in Ireland on St Paddy's Day, so it's actually been out for a couple of months oh, back home. And I went to see it with my family, and... Um, How's Roisin? Everybody loved it. There is no rushing in my family. Are you oh, okay. crazy man? Um, okay? Also, no. No? No. Still no. There's a Seamus. A Seamus. There you go. That was my next one. Yeah. And all a right. Maeve. Anyway, um, so we all went to see Sing Street and literally everybody loved it because this is an utterly charming film. It's, it's sort of about being a teenager and being young and being in a band, but like that doesn't matters so much basically anyway okay so it's the 1980s and our hero is a 14 year old called Connor who's played by uh, Ferdia Walsh Pilo and he is taken out of the posh school where he has been contentedly working away um, his parents who are Aidan Gillen and Maria Doyle Kennedy mm-hmm. of course of the commitments mm-hmm. um, are basically facing splitting up or they're, they're talking about separation money is tight so they put him in the local Christian Brothers school instead Sing Street which is where Carney himself went and uh, he sees that he keeps seeing this girl across the road from the school, uh, Rafina, who's played by Lucy Boynton. And he f- and she says she's a model. So he tells her that he's in a band and they need a model for their music video. He isn't in a band and they don't have a music video at mm-hmm. the time. Uh, but he quickly forms one mm-hmm. and gets songwriting and gets her to to star in the video. And uh, and then they keep they keep writing songs basically and. It's it's absolutely it's just a really really charming film. Jack Rayner plays his older brother Brendan, who basically keeps introducing him to new kinds of music. And every time he he discovers a new kind of music, he completely changes his look and the band's sound. So he discovers the Cure at one point, for example. You know, it's just it's utterly utterly charming in terms of finding your own sound, finding your own self, uh, finding out who you want to be, and uh, and it's funny and smart, and the music is terrific absolutely terrific I'm not even a fan of 80s music but this stuff is amazing and the so characters just come new, to life yeah no it is but it is it's recognisably kind of 80s it's just really good mm. pop 80s so um, I just honestly I think this was terrific we gave it four stars I would probably push that a little bit what to, well, you know, to a high four or to a five to a very high four at the very very least wow it's a, it's a little film it's not like it doesn't take airs upon itself so maybe you know maybe you need to grab airs if you're going to be a five but but it's it's just so lovely I just think it's wonderful amazing yeah so definitely Sing Street, honestly <laughs> check it out that? who knew that 
So yeah, so Rio, Town Cup, Malice, Maneater, Stepping Out. Oh no, but their own songs as well. Yeah, that's a hell of a soundtrack though. Yeah, and then their is. own songs as well. Fantastic. Awesome. Four stars. Yeah. Four stars then for Sing Street. Very uh, good. Very, very good. And uh, let's stay firmly in the 1980s now for the big budget blockbuster release of the week, uh, which is X-Men colon Apocalypse. Or is it just X-Men Apocalypse? How do, uh, you know, there's no colon on the on the poster or in the title. It's just X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, so X-Men Apocalypse, which is obviously the return of Brian Singer and... The first class cast, I would say. So there's no Patrick Stewart or Hugh Jackman or Ian McKellen or Halle Berry this time around, as it was in Days of Future Past. So this is the X-Men tackling their greatest foe yet, a man in prosthetics. (laughs) Helen. Yeah, I did. You wrote the Empire Review of this. Yeah. Which is... Overly positive. (laughs) (laughs) There you see what I'm dealing with, people. A two-star review. It was a two-star review. Yes, it was. Uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, It hurt me more than it hurt you. I'm a a big X-Men fan. Uh, It's probably the one I've read more comics of than anything else. Um, Read a comic, Helen. If you knew what happened in the comics, you wouldn't have given this two stars. If If you could read a comic, you would have given it ten stars. If I could read a comic, I'd know that Mystique is not Katniss and she doesn't lead the X-Men, but fine. Save it for the spoiler special, Helen. (laughs) That's that's just a comment. Anyway, (laughs) so... uh, uh, Oscar Isaac plays Apocalypse. Uh, you better enjoy the one shot you got of Oscar Isaac in the trailer because that's all you're going to get of his face. Uh, and he, because he's overtaken by some terrible prosthetics back in the days of Stargate. They didn't have good prosthetics back in the ancient times. No. And I think that explains a lot. It does, yes. So anyway, he is betrayed and through a complicated series of events ends up asleep underground for 5,000-ish yeah. years. So there's a prologue which is there's thousands of years. Yeah, it's literally, years it's Stargate as a little prologue to this film. <laughs> and then he's asleep for 5,000 years and he wakes up mm-hmm. um, through some spectacular inattention by uh, a supposed hero and uh, decides, hang on, I'm not sure about this whole modern world business. I don't approve of all your democracy and weakness and having nuclear weapons. Rubik's Cubes. Rubik's Cubes. Hates what those. the heck is up with those? Mm. Television? Don't think so. 24 um, channels. What's going on? So he decides to uh, cleanse the world and take over. And to do that, he uh, he recruits some random mutants that have some powers, but not really the most powers for the most part, um, including a very good storm, Alexander Ship, uh, including Olivia Munn as Psylocke, who, who looks cool, but for some reason doesn't get armor. She just gets thigh-high leather boots. I don't know. I can explain all that in the spoiler special. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, and also Magneto. Well, I can, I can, <laughs> you can have a stab explaining oh, that in the spoiler I feel like you probably can. Um, Magneto, in the meantime, has gone away and retired to the country to raise chickens and also a family. <laughs> so you can kind of guess what's going to happen to him. Um, and and also uh, Apocalypse recruits Angel, who is, as ever in these films, a bit of a waste of space. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, the X-Men haven't really moved on very much either. This is a film that plays occasional lip service to 20 years having passed since first class and sometimes just ignores it completely. Um Professor X, uh, James McAvoy, is has formed a school, but not the X-Men. So mm-hmm. he's still not particularly pulling the thumb out there. Hank McCoy is still, you know, t- pottering about downstairs and not doing very much else. Mm-hmm. And it takes Mystique turning up with the delightful new Nightcrawler, Cody Smith-McPhee, to tell them, hey, something's going on here you might need to worry about. Okay. Right? Sort of? 
that's that's it. I don't want to, yeah, go that that. I I don't want to go too far down the line, but there's a whole lot of no, like, no, no, unconnected of scenes in the early uh, part of this movie to All set right. everybody up. So that's the plot. That's the plot, Helen. <laughs> why did you give this film two stars? I gave this film two stars because I don't think it works particularly well. I think that the dialogue is pretty dreadful uh, on on quite a number of occasions. I think their attitude to the characters is inconsistent and uh, fails to show much kind of forward movement for a lot of the people that we know already. I think they're better with the new characters that are being introduced, the likes of Ty Sheridan as Cyclops and um, Sophie Turner as Jean Grey is is okay I just feel like they didn't they haven't moved things forward and I think you should be moving these, these things forward because the X-Men if it's about anything is about evolution and and there is no sign of any evolution here if anything we're going backwards uh, I think Apocalypse doesn't work as a bad guy he doesn't have a very clearly defined end game that he wants to do you can tell he wants to destroy things but you're not sure why or what he's trying to get at or what his purpose is in life uh, he just goes around recruiting these people who stand around him like backing singers in a boy band while he's being Gary Barlow at the front and nobody is that threatened by Gary Barlow he's not Gary Barlow <laughs> he's Shane from Westlife that's, that's damn that's what he is he's not really even the lead singer that's really damning what's going on anyway yeah um, it's it's just it doesn't it didn't ever hang together for me and it has one of those gigantic oh look we've destroyed a city and everything is rubble endings that just has no human weight to it and save, that's my save, save for this special that's, save, I'm not going to yeah. I'm not no, saying no, 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 anything no. more yeah. than that about the ending but like okay. you need human weight you need I thought feel you that, need human waste well, I was going what's going what sort of movie do you want I mean that would be a whole other movie mm. but you do need kind of Three some stars kind of <laughs> you need some kind of uh, emotion and some empathy yeah. and some stakes and this one ultimately I didn't think had those things so that would be X-Men Apocalypse for you um, <laughs> you're sticking with the human waste then I am going okay. with it I, I've latched onto it and I'm riding this train until it gets off the, <laughs> the final stop uh, Johnny what did you think of it? You, you you think two is a bit generous? No, I think I, I think two is fine. I was being uh, glib, as is my way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was there was there was so much I didn't like in it. And there were so many repeated beats that were noticeably worse than the ones that had gone before. So there's a very quick scene with a character. Sh- sh- I can say that. Yeah, you yeah. can. Yeah, it's not a spoiler, right? That Quicksilver's quick, right? No, it's not a spoiler. It's fine. Uh, Quicksilver does another save the day I'm very fast scene but it's noticeably worse than the one in Days of the Future Past mm-hmm. and it just keeps on happening all the way through it like there are scenes where you're like oh I've seen this before but better I wish I was watching that movie in fact you, you, yeah. that's what how we were Helen ends her review is saying you know it just it just feels like a pale imitation of so many things that have gone before and it's such a shame because we were excited about it we were really yeah. excited about this film everyone went to everyone took um, that Friday afternoon to go and wanted to see it and you know clamouring to see it and we sat down and we came out and there was just like a no one really knew what to say to each other everyone was like did everyone not like that because I didn't like it did you and then suddenly it became apparent that we had seen what we thought we witnessed <laughs> and it wasn't just a mind game yeah um Okay, so two stars in for X-Men Apocalypse. I've seen it a couple of times now. It did um, improve slightly on the second yeah. viewing, I will say that. But I don't think you can... You can't fold that into a review. No, you can't. A review you has to be can't. for people who see it once. Precisely. Uh, I, I, but, but all the same problems are still there. I think just knowing that they were coming made them slightly more palatable. 
that's that's how I felt on the second viewing. Performances are good though. I think still are, across the boards. Performances are fine. Some of the characterization yeah. I I did have a problem with the way that Jean Grey is introduced, for example, makes her seem not shy, not hesitant, but just really bitchy, for mm. example. And, I, and that's not what that character is to me. So that, for example, stood out. But there are great, great moments in it. I think Cody Smoke McPhee's Nightcrawler is honestly mm-hmm. one of my favourite characters of the year. I thought he was just wonderful. And his costume is incredible. Um, mm. You know, just his his street clothes. Mm. Amazing. Uh, but, yeah, I think McAvoy yeah. and Fassbender are yeah. still a slightly different movie to everyone else. Uh, <laughs> the, in- the intensity of their performances uh, are noticeably different from most other actors in the movie but uh, and you can't do the just kiss already scene so much with them they don't get so many one on one FaceTime no scenes. this this keeps Charles and uh, and, and Eric I almost, I almost every time say Charles and Eddie yeah yeah <laughs> would I lie to you oh, no you can't I'm a telepath <laughs> it's impossible um yeah, Charles and Eric, it does keep my part for a lot of the film. But we will get into this in greater depth uh, with interviews from Brian Singer uh, and Simon Kimberg uh, spilling on quite a lot of the plot as well in our spoiler special. So we're recording that next week, as I said before. If you have any questions for us, any thoughts, any comments, once you see the film, do send them along to us via podcast. And also, and this is controversial, but my DMs are open on Twitter. So my personal Twitter is open to DMs. What? Yes. This is something I've done this now for a couple of weeks and everyone has been very gracious. I haven't had anyone call me a C unit. I haven't had any penises sent to me. Uh, so, you know, come on. So what you want, sort, sort your game out, uh, Twitter. Uh, so if you have questions, then you can contact me uh, at Chris Hewitt via DM as well. If you are nasty, I will block you because I have feelings too. Uh, two stars in for X-Men Apocalypse. And the final film this week is A Hologram for the King, the new film from Tom Tickfer. What's mm-hmm. Tickfer to be with? And uh, starring from Spies Like Us. What's it? Spies, mm-hmm. It's a Spies Like Us reference. Okay. Uh, and Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks is uh, Alan Clay. He's a washed-up salesman who uh, somehow uh, his company uh, send him out to uh, try and land a huge contract in uh, Saudi Arabia. It's because um, many years before he told a joke... Uh, in a public bathroom and therefore and the nephew of the king heard it and liked that joke and so he has an in so off he goes uh, to sell this and he arrives and things go badly uh, he oversleeps on the first day so misses his transport to the um conference centre which is um, where they're building the city mm-hmm. which is uh, an hour away so he arrives at the conferencing centre where the city which is, is uh, going to be built and his team are there but there's no Wi-Fi, there's nowhere to sit really um, there's uh, no food and he, it's, you know, it's his job to sort that which he spectacularly fails to do and also he has a rather large lump maybe the si- size of three knuckles together growing out of his back which, of course, he at some one point tries to cut out himself. Um, He's in a bad place, is this man, and um, this story is about him going to an unfamiliar country and not dealing with it very well to begin with and then starting to, you know, get a handle on it and get his life back together, which seems very uh, familiar, and certainly when I was watching it, it felt very familiar to Lost in Translation, just with a different ageing actor and uh, <laughs> a different locale. Um, and I think the sad thing about this is, more than anything, is if you do compare those two which are films, which I don't think is um, too much of a stretch, mm. uh, this one comes off worse. Mm. It's not as good, and Tom Hanks is very 
charming in it and he's a very uh, watchable presence on screen but I, I actually think he's miscast in the role because he never really because he's Tom Hanks and you're like oh there's Tom Hanks being charming mm. he never really sells like the darkness of this character this like the self-destructive nature that appears to be within him that he mm. you know continually misses his, like doesn't set an alarm and um and misses his transport like over several mornings like that you know there's, there's something self-destructive within him that he is just uh, you know not able to sell because you're like Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks would never miss an alarm. He wouldn't. I just no. don't think he would. I'm, I'm kind of with you on this. I think it's... Um, he's so charming that you can kind of watch it anyway, but it doesn't it doesn't quite work. It doesn't quite hang together. Um, and I think there's, there's something odd about all of these kind of Western person goes to non-Western country and has life-changing experience. That there's something that's getting a little bit uncomfortable about watching these stories because it's, it's very sort of... It treats you know him as the default, and everybody else is a bit. Yeah, you're never sure bit. whether they're actually just making fun of different cultures and customs. Yeah, I mean, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt that sure. they're not. Sure, but you, it, it never sits entirely easily. And yeah, and Tom just comes. His character comes across as like almost implausibly uh, bumbling at times, rather than you know dark and troubled. Yeah, I think so, and I think that's. Um yeah, that's a bit of a shame because there's there's good bits in here and there's there's interesting little nuggets, but it just doesn't quite hang together. Yeah, I mean, he has a, he has a really lovely central relationship with a um, with his driver. So I mean, so I suppose one of the things that he you know one of his mistakes, which is oversleeping, getting a driver and then using that driver over and over again, actually you know that st- starts to become his salvation because mm. he you know, goes out to his village and you know has a interesting experience there and you know starts to you know reconnect with who he really is man yeah <laughs> um so uh so three stars for this one we give it three uh, i give it three mm. um i stand by it good I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not it's very enjoyable uh film um but it it doesn't really linger that long in the memory no it doesn't that's true okay so that is a hologram for the king is the title explained yeah, they're trying to sell a holographic um, conferencing service to the king. Ah, okay. See, I thought it was all going to be quite elliptical and... Oh, it's that as well? No, it's, it's obvious on the nose. Yeah, but, you know, there's probably a deeper meaning there somewhere. somewhere. Okay, all right. Uh, one day we'll we'll have a, a book group type thing and we'll talk about the <laughs> hidden meanings within a hologram of the king. As it is, three stars for that. Uh, and that is it for this week's Emperor Podcast. Uh, join us next week. For more film-related fun, we'll be joined by two directors of upcoming movies. We'll be joined by James Bobin, the director of Alice in the Looking Glass, and also Men in Black, or MIB 23. So the Men in Black 23 Jump Street mashup type thing. He talks a little bit about that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And also a young up-and-coming director, Jodie Foster. Wow. Who's going to be talking about Money Monster, uh, her George Clooney, Julia Roberts uh, thriller, which is out next Friday as well. So stay tuned for that or don't. Go and live your life and then just come back in a week's time and listen to that as well. And also the uh, X-Men Apocalypse spoiler special is out on Monday the 30th. So do book your bookmark your calendars, whatever it is you do for that. Right, until then, it is goodbye from Helen. Toodaloo. It's goodbye from Johnny. Uh, goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off home to take off these torn purple pants. Chris. See you next week. Bye. Should I take them off now? At least you'll wait until you get home. No, no leave I, them I, on. I think I should no, take them off. No, leave them on. Okay. <laughs>